All right, everybody, welcome to the 338th edition of the Holy Backboard Podcast. I am Dustin here in Rip City, and I got my man Sage kicking it live and direct in Beaverton, Oregon, ready to get this podcast started. And this is this is the guy that we have used for an example of an elite role player for this entire draft cycle. Like when we're talking, like when there's trades and people want to trade for an elite role player, I'm like, well, couldn't we just make Chris Murray? into that elite role player it would be a lot cheaper and we'd get to keep our assets so it's time for that deep dive on keegan's twin brother chris murray and honestly that iowa team does a lot to make chris murray or you know either of the murray twins highlight their skill set so it's kind of fun to watch them but uh go into uh what chris murray is Chris Murray, as mentioned, an Iowa Hawkeye, his identical twin Keegan was drafted fourth overall by the Sacramento Kings, set the NBA record for three-pointers made as a rookie, started on the the third team in the Western Conference. So clearly there are some good uh, bloodlines in the Murray family. Uh, Murray, Chris, uh, came to Iowa pretty unheralded, uh, a three-star recruit, the 47th best, you know, small forward. Um, he's in, in the nation when, when he came out, he is a junior stands six, eight weighs 225 pounds. Uh, we'll find out his wingspan once the, the combine takes place. Uh, he is a bit of an older prospect. He he'll be almost 23 years of age at the draft. He turns 23 on August 19th. Uh, at Iowa this year for the Hawkeyes, uh, played in 29 games, uh, averaged 35 minutes per game. Uh, tw- you're getting 20 points, eight rebounds, you know, two assists, a block, a steal on, you know, 48, 33, and 73% shooting splits. Those are again 48 from the field, 34 from three, and 73 from the line. Very reliable, very solid. Uh, there's not much when you're looking at Chris Murray that you scratch your head and you wonder what, what's going on. There's not much that's going to wow you very solid, you know, meat and potatoes type of basketball player who is, uh, as, as, as of tankathon is the 19th best prospect available. And the ringer has him, uh, significantly more undervalued at number 30 on their big board. Uh, you were discussing this with me before, we we joined the podcast that we, we both kind of felt that, that Keegan Murray was was pretty overvalued. Um, yes, he did have that record. Yes, he was a starter for for the Kings. But as we we discussed in our um, previous episodes, the Kings probably, if they could, they, they would go back and they would take a couple of different prospects that have shown more upside long term potential, because now you're kind of capped with what you're going to get from Keegan. Like, I don't know what he's going to give you. We saw him in in the postseason really just become a catch and shoot shooter from three everything he did at iowa in the paint you know dom- playing bully ball dominating with his back of the basket that's been completely removed from his uh tenure uh or excuse me that's been completely removed from his his skill set in in the nba he is now a stretch four and yeah there are some things that he can improve on but your biggest beef with with keegan murray was what is he going to do when the defenders run him off that three-point line? And you kind of got a glimpse of that. It, it wasn't a whole heck of a lot. And, and could he improve upon it? Absolutely. However, the fourth position in that draft, you probably wish you could have taken somebody that's going to be a little bit more of, of an elite-level player. 
But then we both feel that Chris Murray is getting, you know, significantly undervalued because I see 30th on the ringer. And I I'm see like, second round grades on him. Yeah, that, that's just that that's way that's way too low, in my opinion. Um fair or not, they're brothers. Uh, I they're twin brothers that they're, they're gonna always be compared, but I still think they are similar in time in terms of professional output at the league level. Uh, when you look what they can do, the biggest difference, Sage, the biggest difference, Keegan is right-handed and Chris is left-handed. To me, that's the biggest difference. Keegan had that, had that people, people scouting him thought he was going to be a playmaker. And that's something that you and I just did not see at all. No, I remember distinctly saying this guy's Harrison Barnes. Fine to take him like number 10. Like you're going to get a really solid player, but he's Harrison Barnes. Right, and I think Harrison Barnes has more craft than than Keegan. I think that people gave Keegan that that potential playmaker. That's why he's four. But I think Chris Murray standstill playmaker is a better decision maker than Keegan because Keegan was the more heralded prospect. So the younger or so the other twin had to set up older brother or you know better brother. So he actually learned how to pass. I, I I feel like in their development, Keegan is ahead by one full year. So when they both went to Iowa, Keegan was the role player. Chris was on the bench. When Keegan was the star, Chris was the role player. When Keegan went into the NBA, Chris became the star. So in that development track, it's one year behind. And I, I get that age is a, an issue. But when you just look at what he can give you, if you're if you're in the lottery, you can you can star hunt for sure. But once you get past that, what he gives you at worst is like ninth rotation player value. And if you're if you're trying to build a, a roster full of good players, having a six eight six nine wing stopper that hits threes at a very high volume is a good thing to have. So I don't understand the the thirtieth place. What teams are generally drafting? later on past the lottery playoff teams that need these role players they're not traditionally traditionally looking to to get another superstar level player sure everyone would love that but they've got their roles and for the Mm -hmm. most part they've got their shit figured out they're looking for these players to round them out that's where they're available to go in and and plug and play right away so it's it's just a tailor-made scenario to get a player like chris murray on uh, a team that's you know makes the final eight makes the conference finals you know you can get him at least said at worst ninth i i, I think eighth you know I, I really do i think he's he's an elite seventh to eighth player off of your bench that's going to come in and, and probably give you 20 to 24 minutes and he's probably like i say he's probably not going to wow you but he's probably not going to screw up a whole heck of a lot either he's super substantive with with his gameplay he, he it's all about substance when he's on the court you know how broadcasters say the ball finds the energy? The ball finds him a lot. So he like he does everything fundamentally correct. Like and and same with his uh, his brother Keegan. They do everything fundamentally correct and when you're picking I think at 15 Chris Murray is absolutely a viable choice if you're if you're drafting. I probably wouldn't take him lottery, but I would absolutely take him 15. So if you're if you're finding a guy that fundamentally does everything right, I believe in the shot, even though the percentages is kind of surprisingly low from three. I believe in that shot and I believe in that shot at a high volume. I don't see him being like a 
real like a, a pull up shooter, but I see him as a a guy that can catch and shoot and he can locate open space. I don't see him as just a statue. I see him like having multiple skills that, that I guess that his older brother has, but oh the, the shots the shots absolutely gorgeous. And Sage I can tell you who I was point guard is. I don't think you could tell me who I was point guard no, is. But I, I only know who Chris Murray but, is. But I'll tell you what, if he's playing alongside Luka Doncic or Steph Curry or Damian Lillard, he's going to get a lot clearer looks than he ever could have dreamed of at the University of Iowa. And those percentages are going to skyrocket. And that that's where you want to see him land is on a team that has a gravitational pull at the guard that can pull the defense in and leave him open. He's smart enough to move to those open spots. He's got a quick enough release. I'd like to see it get a little quicker, but it's quick enough. And there's not a lot of move. There's not a lot of, I would say, mechanical movement in a shot. It's very fluid and you don't see a ton of misses that are just like wild, right? Like Yeah, you don't, you don't see any. Keon, you don't see any Keon misses. <laughs> he's he's going to be he's going to be solid and teams are going to have to it's it's the it's the classic pick your poison they're going to have to decide do we want to leave this guy open or do we want to send help to the the generational talent at guard that this you know team team has. And I think you're you're kind of seeing that that right now in the postseason that you need guys on the floor who are not only able to make the defenses pay but not be an absolute sieve on the defensive end like he, mm-hmm. i think he's the tradition like you look up three and d in webster's dictionary he one of his face is going to be one of one of the new new age faces right like this guy yeah. is three and d all the way so do you see him three four is that is that where you're positionally see him at yes and, and it's, it's all roster based like does he have a, a big center that could you know, as, as the front line, is it big? Is it a Cleveland Cavaliers type of front line? Then you put him in a three. Are you going to play it a little bit smaller? You know, could he go to Golden State with Draymond playing the five? Yeah, he could probably slide over and play some of the four. It's all situational fit, but I think he has the ability, much like his brother, to, to play the the three, the four. The thing that's going to keep him on the floor, especially at the four, is is rebounding, right? If he's able to rebound the ball at a high level, and that's something that, as a Blazer fan, we, we haven't seen from Jeremy Grant. He's he's our three, four, right? And at the four, he just can't rebound the ball at a respectable level at that position. If Chris can rebound the ball, get his nose dirty, keep plays alive, he's going to carve out an, a long tenured career in, in this league. He's going to make a ton of money. Yeah. I mean, that, what he provides is what all teams want he's he's kind of like masai ujiri's wet dream in the late in the late part of the draft like he he has the size honestly i think he's a better defender than his older brother who is or i shouldn't say older his brother because they're twins and i don't know who's younger and who's older but he is i keegan was more he was willing to take more risks I think Chris is more risk averse defensively, but it always puts him in a good position to contest and and play uh, like traditionally great defense. Uh, like when I watch him, I watched him against Jet Howard yesterday, and like Jet Howard was just on fire, 
But Jet was taking and making just amazingly difficult shots because of Chris Murray. Like all, all you can do as a defender is close out on the shooter and make it difficult. If it goes in, it goes in. Like so, he's got the three point shooting, and then I think defensively he has a higher ceiling than his brother, who we talked about. He was like a very, very good defender. He it was Jeremy Sochan, Tari Eason, and him as the power forwards that have switchability and can play in any scheme. I think that Chris also has that ability in him. And if we can get him to be more aggressive, I mean, when he is aggressive defensively, he gets steals. He plays passing lanes really well. When he is on a isolation shooter, he puts in a really good effort and closes out and contests the shot like defensively he gives you everything you want in a in a highly intelligent basketball player that is just going to put in a lot of effort so i truly don't understand the low rankings on him i mean you know i love low usage players that don't need the ball in their hands role players who thrive in that role and understand that's who they are right i think you get some chris knows yeah. I, I think you get some players who maybe started out as high recruits coming to the league and realize, oh, this is going to have to be their role. You know, uh, a play uh, kind of like a sixth or seventh man off the bench. And they're like, that, mm-hmm. that's not me. I'm, I'm better than this. But you just get the sense that Chris Murray is just kind of like a go with the flow type of guy, super laid back, going to just do whatever the, the team needs. And when you're managing 12 to 15 egos at the professional level, Coaches probably adore having a few of those players that are just like, yeah, coach, I'm going to do whatever you want. Like, whatever you guys need. You need to, you need me to start at the four tonight? Fine. You need me to take 15 shots? Okay. You need me just to rebound? I'll, I'll do that. Like, it's just, you, you kind of get one of those blue-collar lunch lunch bucket do whatever it takes uh, to get it done. And that's where I see the value. I think there's a lot of intangible value with Chris Murray, especially when you look at it from a roster construction point oh, of view, right? I think there are a lot more talented players. There are more players with much higher ceilings, but that's not how you win in the league. You win by having chemistry, continuity, and roster balance. And I think in the right situation, give Chris Murray five to seven years, and you're probably going to see him on a winner. Like, I, I just, I, I have a feeling that he just, you, you said good energy. I think he's just going to be a player that, the teams are going to find it, it's almost weird. If, if you look at a player like Jared Vanderbilt, you're like, well, how did the Lakers just get him? Right. Mm-hmm. And it's like Minnesota was a playoff team, but they decide, no, we don't want him. He's, he's not elite enough. Utah's like, mm, no, we're really trying to rebuild. I don't know why we can't use a, a young 20 something defender and they ship him off. And LA sitting there is like, we've got our guys. We need this is the exact defender, yeah. versatile, young energetic do whatever it takes low usage fits like a glove i I think you're gonna see smart teams target players like the like the chris murray's uh, of the world and they're not just gonna say oh you're not a potential you know all nba player mvp level candidate we're gonna kick you to the curb and take this one percent chance on this player that could be be smart be smart gms so i honestly see him as a starting caliber three four wing and the NBA draft just goes for those high potential players that, like, honestly, in the right circumstance, I think Chris Murray fits on more, more teams than a guy like Cam Whitmore, who has all the potential in the world. And if you squint really hard, he's Charles Barkley. You know, Chris Murray, I'm just like, I see it. He is he is a 
12 to 14 year, you know, NBA player. He could fit on, he fits on way more teams than, than a Cam Whitmore or one of those players. Like he, you know how Jordan Hawkins fits with everybody. I think Chris Murray also fits with everybody. Everybody can use what he is providing. And since he had a higher heralded older brother, you know, he knows what he has to do. And I think that he's, his playmaking is so much better. Like he can't dribble. Obviously both of those guys handles are very robotic and very stealable, but I've seen him on standstill and in transition, pass it along. And so he's not a, he's not a black hole offensively or defensively. He's just going to provide you value. So I, I, I am, I am, a, I would, if I was the Blazers, I honestly would trade up for Chris Murray. If, if, if people are thinking that he's going to be like 18, 19, I would use the Knicks pick and, and some seconds to try and get him. Cause I think he's kind of a perfect player for Dame. And in the future, you Shaden Sharp needs a guy like Chris Murray on this team. Like, so I, he's just the perfect D and three guy and he's going to make a lot of money. I just hope that he makes a lot of money in a Portland Trailblazers uniform instead of, you know, the Raptors or wherever. Yeah. And because the floor is so high and the ceiling is, is, is so low, I didn't really have like a, a top or bottom conf. Clearly he's, a lot like Keegan Murray, he's a left-handed <laughs> version of Keegan Murray. Yeah. Um, I see some similarities again. We to Harrison Barnes. Um, I see some Jay similarities. Crowder in there. Jay Crowder. I see some similarities to um Markeith Morris, you know, another set of twins who stretched the floor. He was more of the floor yeah. spacer of, of the two. Um, mm-hmm. and it's the shot, it's not necessarily the player, but his shot reminds me a lot of big smooth Sam Perkins. So um, really okay. I got the left the left you know have I... that that similar release. Yeah. Yep. And it's it's a little bit slower of a release. Like I said, I want to see it a little bit quicker, but I just I vividly remember Sam Perkins, you know, letting it fly. You know, one of the first bigs to actually step out on the perimeter. Mm-hmm. So um flashes of of big smooth uh came over it... me. I was thinking of keep Chris. I, I was I was trying to look at like what his he did statistically, and it was really hard to find somebody that scored like he does or defend like he does at that size. Like it was, it was just his older brother, and like. But I feel like the future is going to be. It's going to look a lot like Chris and Keegan Murray rather than you know what the small forward position was ten years ago, like. This is the new generation of those three, four swing shooters. And I think that obviously his brother is a high volume three point shooter and he is just like that. So I I believe in a lot of stuff. I buy into him. Honestly, if I was the Blazers, like, especially since Whitehead has that surgery, Keegan's just getting, um, Chris is just getting boosted up and boosted up and boosted up my, my particular board where he, he, the second the lottery is over, it, it's Chris Murray season. You got anything else you want to say about the uh, meat and potatoes? I wanted to use that. I was like, oh yeah, he he he's he's substance over style. If he was a meal, he'd be meat and potatoes, mother. <laughs> he's, but, he's definitely along with Jordan Hawkins, um, two of the the five starting five holy backboard all 2023 nba draft i'm sure we'll round out our starting five as we get closer but those two i feel like we've agreed on the most and seem to 
enjoy more than the the majority of the the draft community so far but that will wrap this episode up sage who are we going to be discussing uh next week do you want to talk about the duke players Uh, it's a damn shame about whitehead having needing surgery to fix his heel i would really prefer him to go back to school and rehab that way but i i think we're gonna go the duke boys there's there's Lips very draftable. I think Whitehead he, he still came is. back to school. He came oh, back he did. Mm-hmm. Actually, I think that's good for him to learn to be the man. So it's just lively and Whitehead that are going to the draft. I'll, I'll I'll talk about Whitehead and help you with lively. You got you got the number one high school recruit, Derek Lively. But I I, I believe in him. I I just think that scat draft play people and scouts are wrong about a lot of what he gives to a team. But uh, we will be talking about the Dukies next. And then I think we'll have to go with your boy, Ryan, after the Duke plot, the Duke boys. We'll do our first uh, European uh, draft player. And so then pretty uh, soon we'll have our post lottery mock draft. Uh, the 16th is when the lottery takes place. And lastly. We are going to start doing a mailbag series on Holy Backwards. So if you just have any questions, uh, leave us comments on YouTube, on, on Twitter, uh, on Insta, wherever. Wherever you see us, leave us a question. And we are going to just do episodes based upon those. Just going to be a Q&A, uh, short, sweet, but also just want to respond to all of the questions we get leading up to the, the 2023 NBA draft and free agency going to probably see a lot of uh, movement with this roster heading into the fall campaign um with that sage with that said uh take us home we're available well, first of all nothing that we talk about on a podcast is ever short and sweet um i'm just you know we're trying to make reels of our our talking points and it's always longer than what the reels provide allow so it's it's not going to be short and sweet, but we are available on iTunes, Stitcher, Himalaya Podcast, everywhere where you get your podcast. We are there. Like us, give us five stars, sub, and we're available on YouTube. We're we're on IG with Reels and uh, TikTok as well. So check us out. We're available. We're you know we're we obviously do this for us to just have like you know thirty minutes to hang out, but you guys make it a lot more fun like if we were just talking basketball i mean there's some joy to it but actually having a a community to talk with is really important so thank you all for listening uh, giving us your ears for all of these years we really do appreciate it peace